Welcome back to Wildcat Insider Hour number two. Mitch Fortner and Wyatt Thompson. Big Steve is across the glass wearing his coat. Apparently, he is cold. Give me a look like stepped outside briefly. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. (laughs) Um, Well, not too thrilled to announce this. I'm still proud of her, of course. Still a first teamer. Um, But it it does feel a bit shocking. Uh, K-State center Aoka Lee was not named the Big 12 Player of the Year. It goes to Nalissa Smith of Baylor. Now, I will mention as well, uh, in the first team in the Big 12 on the women's side, they actually named 10 players to the all-Big 12 first team and then go second team with five players, and then they start naming honorable mention which K-State did get Serena Sendell as an honorable mention selection, but she was not named the Big 12 Freshman of the Year. So, to me, two shockers right there that both Yoki and Serena Sendell were not named to the honors that I think we were all expecting them to be named to. I'm quite stunned and with that news being announced, I had to go look at the numbers. Like, what was the differences between, uh, like, Aoka Lee and Alyssa Smith and then Serena Sandell to uh, Rory Harmon of Texas? Like, what was the difference? And, I mean, we are talking razor-thin oh, yeah. differences when it comes to the numbers. Like, two, Yoki uh, versus Alyssa Smith, like, very, very similar numbers, like, Nalissa just barely had, uh, like, Yoki barely edged her in points, but Nalissa Smith barely edges her in rebounds. Like, it was razor thin. I think if I were to predict why the difference went to Nalissa Smith, I would have to say that K-State was struggling down the stretch. They weren't winning on the road in Big 12 play, and they were they were double-teamed like the opposing team, just double-teams Aoka Lee since she scored 61 points. It's been a completely different philosophy playing against these Big 12 defenses, and they forced like the guards to step up and start hitting some shots. And uh, But Serena Sundell has been named the Big 12 Freshman of the Week five times. I would guess Rory uh, Harmon of Texas was not named Big 12 Freshman of the Week five times. I, I, I could go look it up, but I, I – I doubt that's the case. Yeah, it is. I mean, you certainly follow the women's side a, a lot more than I do, but but I, I'll I'll be honest and say I was expecting Aoka to be the player of the year just based on the 61-point game, the double-doubles, the consistency in which she played. Yes, she didn't score as much, you know, in the last part of the, the conference season, but after the 61-point game, everybody was trying to do everything they could to you know, to, to double her and, and sometimes triple her, and, and that happens. And and Baylor had a nice year. I, I, I don't know if it comes down to you use the term razor thin. I think that's probably right. And, and at the end of the day, when, when it's that close sometimes, more times than not, the, the, the player with the team that finished higher in the standings is probably going to edge out the other player, and that may be the case here. I mean, it. I'm upset about this. I really am. I understand. Because I feel like they deserved it. From start to finish, just great performances by Aoka Lee and Serena Sundell all season long. I felt like they were the two that should win it. And I, I, of course, I'm a little biased towards it, of course. But um, I, I continue to look at the numbers here. I'm just trying to figure out why 
K-State didn't win in those categories and it went to two other players. Uh, again, the numbers, if you compare Serena Sundell to Rory Harmon and Aoka Lee to Nelissa Smith, I mean, we're just talking razor-thin differences. When Serena has an edge and assists, the rebound edge goes to Rory. You know, it's just it's those kind of differences. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Serena outscored Harmon by 0.2 points this season. You know, <laughs> again, it's just it's razor thin. Yeah. Similar type of players, really good, but uh, I don't know. I just I'm disappointed in it. I'm not disappointed in K State. Don't get me wrong. I'm just kind of disappointed in the voting. I, I felt like Aoka Lee was the player of the year all season long. It just it. I'm, I'm just my mind's blown. Like I'm kind of speechless right now that sure. it didn't go to those two. Yeah. Meantime, on the men's side, it was a no-brainer, wasn't it? I mean, for the sure. most part. I mean, well, I was a little worried myself with uh, K State wasn't winning down the street. You know, they lost five in a row in the year, and I know. You know, it's hopefully not all about just how you finish or where you're at in the standings. That was a concern. You know, even Bruce Weber brought it up after you asked him at a press conference, you know, how to usually vote. You go by the winning teams or who certainly does deserve it. And the way it should be is doesn't matter if you're first place or last place. If you have a guy that's the best three-point shooter in the Big 12 and certainly one of the top three-point shooters in the country and uh, like a guy like Nigel Pack, you got to vote him first team. And he did get first team. Yeah, he did. Um, very interesting. I, I think we could probably talk about this a little bit here. You mentioned the women named 10 to the first team. That's not how the men do it. The men have a first, second, and third team where the women have 10 on the first team and a second team and then honorable mention. And the men have an all-defensive team, an all-newcomer team, and an all-freshman team. I'm sure the freshman team was a little bit tough in the voting to a degree, but I think there could have been two newcomer teams this year with all of the transfer portal guys. But just just quickly through it, some of the things that would probably interest everybody listening, Ochai Abaji of Kansas, the player of the year. The freshman of the year had to be an awfully close vote, but Tyrese Hunter, the point guard at Iowa State, wins. Jeremy Sohan of Baylor, the sixth man. Nigel, not only his first team, but the most improved player in the league, and who could argue with that, frankly? Um, The newcomer of the year was Isaiah Brockington. I I have no problem with that. I think probably him and then Bryce Williams would have been my two choices. First time ever that I can remember, you had tri-players of the year with the defensive player of the year with Jonathan Chamuchachu of Baylor, Musa Cisse of Oklahoma State, and Gabe Osaboyan of West Virginia. Um... But but again, I was thrilled to death, in all honesty, to see Nigel make first team. I think Mark Smith on the third team. I was hoping for second, but he was outstanding. And then I was thrilled to death, too, to see Marquise Noel on the all-defensive team. He He's really done a nice job this year. And uh, so, so in a nutshell, those guys. The one thing that I did want to mention here, Probably a surprise to some was the coach of the year going to Scott Drew and not Mark Adams. Or, I mean, some people even were were pining for, and I get it, T.J. Otzelberger um, at, at Iowa State. I think most that cover the league thought that that uh, Mark Adams was going to win it. Uh, but but I wonder at the end of the day with Baylor tying for the league championship and 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 the Bears frankly playing about half of the conference schedule with injuries to Chamwa Chachua, who was lost for the year, James Akinjo, L.J. Cryer, 
uh, Adam Flagler. I mean, that's a lot for them to still go through the league and be 14-4 and and co-champions. And maybe at the end of the day, minuscule, as you say, uh, why Scott Drew gets the edge over Mark Adams. I, I will say, you know, Baylor made a pretty uh, strong finish there. Sure like did. They really battled and finished out to earn a share of the Big 12 championship with the Kansas Jayhawks, which, you know, Kansas, it felt like maybe there for a minute they were maybe going to let things slip away, and they went to overtime with Texas, but you know, KU's not going to lose that basketball game, even though <laughs> Ochai could only score two points, I think, in regulation. And then uh, the Jayhawks run away with it. Yeah, I think Mark Adams... I would probably pick Mark Adams to be my Big 12 coach of the year and probably Scott Drew second. But I, I definitely see the argument there. Going to other two guys, either two guys, they both deserve it. Um, I was a little bit surprised Marquise Noel just got honorable mention. I was thinking he would get third, like it would go Nigel first team, Mark second team, and then uh, Marquise Noel third team. I mean, you know, Mark Smith was the leader in rebounds, and he's the shortest guy to ever do it in the Big 12's history. Correct. I mean, that that's a little hard to ignore. Meanwhile, he's scoring in double figures. He has eight double-doubles on the year. I mean, I thought that would at least be worth second-team honors. Yeah. But but to give you an idea of the competition that we're talking about, here's the all-Big 12 men's second team. Now think about this a little bit. Adam Flagler of Baylor, Christian Brown of Kansas, Mike Miles of TCU, who really had a terrific finish. Timmy Allen of Texas and Taz Sherman of West Virginia. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty good group. And the third team, this may be as good as third team as, as the league has had in a while, too, with David McCormick, Jalen Wilson, Mark Smith, Avery Anderson, and Marcus Carr. So the competition's pretty steep. Yeah, I mean, after you mention all those names, yeah, that is extremely <laughs> tough competition in the second team. But, uh, again, I'm biased. Love to see Mark Smith in that second. Well, uh, uh, numbers-wise, you, you could make an argument for because sure. he averaged 14 points a game in league play. As you mentioned, he led the league in rebounding. And, and it really, as it turned out, was, frankly, not all that close. I mean, he was at 8.5, and, and the next guy was at 7.3, I think or 7-4-ish, that doesn't sound like a lot, but it is a lot. And for him to do that uh, at 6'4", I've mentioned this before, but listen to some of the names that have been the rebounding champion in this league. I'll just just go through the history of the conference to give you an idea of some of the talent we're talking about. Azubuki, Bamba, Gathers, Edgem, Marquise, Marquise Morris, Griffin, Beasley, Durant, Simeon, Jackson Vroman, Drew Gooden, Chris Mim twice, Rafe LaFrance. That's pretty good company. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. Meanwhile, I was also still a little surprised. Only six cats have made it first team all Big 12 in the last 26 years. Isn't that crazy? It, it is crazy. I mean, there's always spots reserved for the Kansas Jayhawks who win the conference every year. And then whoever is <laughs> up there as well will get a spot, uh, whoever finishes second or third. But at least that's the way it feels like. But, uh, I mean, Rodney was, uh, other than Michael Beasley, uh, he was the first to get there in, into the first team all big 12 which i mean also tells you the story about how bad k-state basketball had been before michael beasley and frank martin and brad underwood showed up to kind of change things around and uh, bob huggins of course as well was a huge part of that of course was the springboard really um but then you followed up michael beasley with Rodney magruder so you still had a little bit of a gap there um as a matter of fact didn't have one uh 
Uh, other than Jacob, Barry, right? uh, other, than, other than Jacob Pullen. Yeah. Well, Jake was insanely good, but yeah, it, it's tough to make first team. I know you you mentioned Kansas has has dominated the league, so they're they're going to have a lot of those players. It, it seems like on average over the last twenty years, they've probably had. I would guess they've averaged two on the first team virtually every year, or close. Close. Yeah. But but again, this was this was a year where the league was so balanced. We saw so many close games. I haven't had time to to go through that and look at that. And and but I think I think we would all be surprised by the margin of victory um, if you averaged out every single Big Twelve conference game played because it probably be as close as it's ever been. I would guess. I'm sorry, I haven't been very good in this segment, Wyatt. I'm just. Still You're frustrated. I can I, tell. I'm frustrated. Like yeah. I, I've been reading these releases. Like I know you've been doing a good job carrying this thing. I'm trying to. <laughs> I like the first line in this women's basketball release that says Baylor's Nalissa Smith was selected the unanimous wow. Big Twelve Player of the Year. I mean, I'm sorry. That makes me sick. That Aoka Lee could only get most likely. I'm guessing. Uh, Second place vote from Baylor's coach yeah. Yeah. to get the one vote. I mean, I know OU has a newer coach, but do you not remember what happened to you in Manhattan <laughs> when who we thought might win, at least be in consideration, of course, for national awards, which is most likely going to go to Caitlin Clark of Iowa. She's been amazing. But I just don't understand how Aoka Lee does not get more respect than that from the league's coaches. First team is amazing, but for player of the year, not get one vote, most likely other than from the Baylor coach. I I don't know. Yeah. Why it, I it's hard to it's hard to wrap your head around it with with the astronomical numbers that she put up. I mean it just wasn't the the one game. I mean we mentioned all of the things that she has done, the um you know, the double doubles. I mean she <laughs> It is. It does show you, however, um, you know the strength of the league. We talk about the men's so much on this show, and, and maybe to a lesser degree on the women's side. But make no mistake that the Big Twelve women um, really, really strong um, up and down again. So, yeah, it's it's. I, I get your disappointment. You will trust me. You will not be alone on that. You just won't. Uh, I, I mean, I'll give credit to the rest of the Big Twelve. I mean, there are in. This might be the best era of Big 12 women's basketball we've ever had. And think about the players that used to run through this town alone that used to be just dominating a powerhouse of a of a program. Uh, but right now, I mean, you're talking multiple WNBA draft picks potentially just from this year alone that will be definitely big-time professional basketball players at some point. Aoka Lee is one of them, and she is coming back for next year. There's a lot of very tough competition out there, and there's a lot of uh, Big 12 teams, of course, recognizing the first couple of teams there. But, man, I'm, I'm shooken up by it. Yeah. I, I, I don't like it. Um, really, everything else I see here is respectable choices. Coach of the Year goes to Brandon Schneider of Kansas. It's a good choice. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, good choice. his team really turned things around this year. But, man, it's going to bother me for a while here, Wyatt. <laughs> Been a lot of K-State women's basketball games this year, and I just know down the stretch, like it's been tough to get Aoka Lee the basketball. Double teamed 
on every possession, and it's really the rest is just pretty much three on four. And K-State has had the tough task of trying to knock down those tough shots, and the three freshmen have really tried to grow and try to battle and get ready for and get better against that pressure defense, and especially when they play Texas on Friday, that pressure defense is going to be there. And it's, it's been a tough road lately, Yeah, but um, I think that's the part about it that bothers me the most. Unanimous selection is Nalissa Smith of Baylor. I, Jeff Minnie show at 6 o'clock. That is the conversation you're going to want to hear bet. here on K-Man. That's yeah. from Powercast Sports Girl, which, by the way, that's kind of like their little send-off show for uh, then, of course, the road trip to Kansas City and they'll, again, play on Friday in the late game. Um, but the whole team's going to be there signing autographs, talking to the fans. Um, go out there let Aoki Lee know that uh, – I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the – the proper way to say it, Wyatt. I'll just put it that way. But sure. uh, let her know that she deserved to be the Big 12 Player of the Week. All right. Let's take a timeout. Which, by the way, I, I, I will mention, K-State did get still their honors. Aokalee's first team All-Big 12. Go to the All-Freshman team, Serena Sundell and Briley Glenn. Uh, Serena also named Big 12 Honorable Mention. And also uh, Aokalee Big 12 all Big 12 freshman team, or I'm sorry, all Big 12 defensive team. A timeout, and uh, when we come back, we'll preview the men's tournament in Kansas City starting on Wednesday. Wildcat Insider, came in. Going to throw a little uh, poker lingo at you as we return to Wildcat Insider. Mitch and Wyatt, Big Steve with us as well. Um, I'm going to be doing the rest of this show on Tilt. On edge. <laughs> it won't take much to trigger me at this point. Uh, I was just curious. I went to the head-to-head between K-State and Baylor and women's basketball and yoking the two games. 40 points, 16 rebounds. Melissa Smith, 34 points, 14 rebounds. Aoka Lee in the game against Baylor at home where K-State beat the 10th-ranked Baylor Bears, 32 points, 10 rebounds. Obviously didn't have the same kind of night down in Waco later in the year. And that was a part of the time where K-State just couldn't buy a road victory, could not buy a great first round or first um, first uh, quarter in those uh, in those road matchups where they were they struggled. Were really yeah. struggling from the field in those uh, first quarters, but they did get it done against TCU in their final uh, road game of the uh, season uh, 61 to 50 was that game. But if you're just joining us, uh, Aoka Lee not named the Big 12 Player of the Year in the Big 12. Serena Sendell was not named the Big 12 Freshman of the Week in the Big 12. Also, another reminder, there's been a schedule change for K-State baseball. Uh, the Cats were set to open up the home schedule tomorrow night. Toynton Family Stadium against Nebraska. Nebraska 4-7 and seven on the year. Uh, that's been changed because the, the Bat-Cats getting home late from this uh, snow issue we had here in the area. Plus, um... Uh, the uh, late arrival for the team getting back from California, and that, of course, had to do with the snow as to, well. I think they had to fly into Denver as opposed to Kansas City back, right? Is that right? Oh, I don't know. I don't know the story. Yeah. I haven't asked. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> the snow was, snow was an issue, and they didn't get back nearly as quickly as they had hoped. Well, you want to talk Big 12 tournament? Yes, so it all starts on Wednesday, and K-State is in the first game. 
as it's the Cats and Mountaineers. Remember, uh, Oklahoma State not eligible for postseason play, so there's no 7-10-8-9. It's just the 8-9. There's no 10 seed in this year's tournament. Uh, but the Cats get the Mountaineers, K-State uh, taking down West Virginia at home a few weeks ago. Um, you know, if I were just to throw a prediction out there, uh, knowing what the Mountaineers have done this year, they've certainly struggled definitely in Big 12 play as to give you kind of perspective here as West Virginia did finish dead last in the Big 12 at 4 and 14 and 15 and 16 in the Big 12. K-State two games better in Big 12 play, but they do have uh they played one less game and that's the difference in the win column there, but uh I do as it stands right now. I do like K-State's chances, but I like it even more if Marquise Noel is able to play. Well, that will be a big question, won't it? Uh, we we just don't know at this point. Um, I would assume that, uh, and by the way, the team will leave tomorrow to head to Kansas City. They will actually practice at T-Mobile at about 5 o'clock uh, tomorrow night and then play there at 6 o'clock on Wednesday night. Our network coverage will start at 5 o'clock on Wednesday. Uh, but it's interesting to note, you, you mentioned West Virginia won their senior day game. Um, they had really struggled to be honest about it. They, they had lost, think about this for a second, they had lost seven straight games going into their Saturday senior day game at the WVU Coliseum. But in addition to that, they had lost 14 of 15 and then ended up beating TCU 70 to 64. Significant to note, I don't know if you saw this or not, but TCU played really, really well in the last two weeks of the season. They have, yeah. Up until Saturday when they lost at West Virginia. But think about this for a moment. That Saturday's game, and I'm talking TCU at West Virginia, was their seventh game in 14 days. Wow. That's an NBA schedule. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. And TCU, you mentioned like how good they've been lately. Beating Kansas at home, which yeah. doesn't happen very often for anybody. Right. Um, that's probably the first time they've done it since they beat him, what, 2014 when they're 2013 or something when I think it was the only game they won all year long in Big 12 play. <laughs> yeah. And then they go down Fieldhouse for the next game and they nearly get it done there. It was a close one. But KU has also been playing some close games at Allen Fieldhouse this year. I will mention, like, other than KU, I actually really like K State's side of the bracket. That uh, because you also have TCU and Texas, uh, but teams that K State has beaten this year, beating TCU on the road, which KU couldn't do, and then beating Texas on the road, which most teams haven't been able to do. As a matter of fact, is just K State and Texas, uh, Texas Tech, right? They're the only two teams to win in Austin this year. KU couldn't get it done. Yeah. So it just feels like better matchups, but to get there, you got to beat. West Virginia and KU. Yeah, and that's the hard part, isn't it? Yeah. Because you have you have the scenario where you play the extra game on Wednesday night, and if you're fortunate enough, then you move on, and you get Kansas, who is the top seed. Um, they've been, you know, the big the big dog in this league for a long, long time. They're tough in that building. It's not Allen Fieldhouse, but it is it is difficult because they'll have a lot of fans there. Hey, let, let's go see what happens. But I, with all of that said, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying about the other matchup with Texas and TCU. I think K-State matches up with both. T- 
to be honest, I'm very anxious to see that game. That's the 11.30 a.m. game on Thursday, the first of four quarterfinal games. And I think you could make an argument either way on that one. (laughs) And we could probably say that about a lot of games coming up this week uh, all through college basketball, but especially in the Big 12. But Texas TCU should be a heck of a game. And then in the night session Thursday, um, man, I – I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think, I, I think Baylor and and Tech will win, and I would love to see their semifinal game on Friday night. I think that would be a superb game. I was going to throw out some predictions, like who I think might get to the Big Twelve championship game. Okay. I mean, let's be real; it's a crapshoot. Sure, it is. It really is, especially when you get to Kansas City. Um, you never know. Like Kansas last year, you might recall they had to back out of the tournament because they had a COVID nineteen positive, and that sent. I believe it was Texas, right? Texas went on to skip that semifinal. They went to the final and then beat Oklahoma State. Um, and those were two teams nobody was expecting to be in that final two, <laughs> right? That's for sure. And uh, I mean, you never know. I mean, if I were to pick, I would say, you know, KU just for some reason. They seem to find a way to lose that semifinal game. Um, man, that's tough. Baylor, I would put Baylor through on the opposite side of K-State. Oh, man. If I were to not pick KU, I would probably pick Texas. So give me Baylor and Texas. Baylor and Texas. Okay. But again, I mean, it's anybody's game <laughs> once you get to that T-Mobile Center. Yeah, it it should be a really entertaining uh, tournament, I think, just because, you know, as I said before, there have been so many close games. And I I do think, like as an example, I heard Chris Beard say after the loss to Kansas, they're, yeah, they, I think he was very proud of the way they played. They really competed in Lawrence on Saturday and lost an overtime game. And he feels like now's, I mean, this we've played all year to get to the fun part, right? This is the fun part. Mm-hmm. But but how much fun will it be for them to play TCU? Because TCU has really also played quite well. That will be a high-level game, I, I think. And maybe I'll be yeah. proven wrong, but I, mean, I think that's going to be a heck of a good matchup. It's an absolute doozy to kick off the second day The reason of I the think it'll be a good one, because I don't think there's a ton of difference between the two teams. And remember this one. I don't know if you remember this or not. But when Tech went to TCU... They just sliced and diced the frogs, crushed them, and I think TCU will be out for some payback. Sure, I may I, be wrong, so but we'll see. What I don't actually like about though is I don't like the Big Twelve if if it's K State or West Virginia having to play KU at two o'clock the next day. So you're talking well, but that's that's the price you pay when you're in the eight nine game and put you them get, at six, <laughs> same time as they played the day before. Well, uh, I I understand it's an easy the argument. Flip flop. I, I get the I get the argument. I do, but again, I, I guess I'm just going to say, you know, you got to protect the teams that got those first top three or four seeds. That's that's why it's that's why you play the conference season, right? I so and here's the, here, I'm going to give you an argument of why I'm not picking Texas Tech to get all the way. Okay. Um, hey, Texas Tech is good. They're a great team. Very. At home, they went undefeated at home. Yeah. Eighteen and zero, away from USA. Well, they're five and eight. Yeah, and five and eight's not terrible on the road. Not terrible. As a matter of fact, it's pretty. K State to give you an example. You know what K State was on the road this year? Five and seven. 
problem is they were nine and seven at home. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing that nobody will talk about until they get to if they're if they're there to watch Thursday night. Tech is good. There's no doubt about that. But you know what they're going to fight? They're going to fight Iowa State mm-hmm. and Iowa State's crowd. For some, well, we Iowa State will bring some people there. Iowa State just for some reason is a darling when they get to Kansas City. They turn into one of the best teams. Well, you got to tip. Doesn't matter how good they are. Their fans, they, their fans, their fans. This side of Kansas turn out. Period. End of story. You got to got to hand it to them. Well, also playing in Kansas City this week is the K State women's basketball team, but they're also in discussion, of course, NCAA tournament. They're going. Yep. Where are they at right now? Plus, I, a few thoughts on the Back Cats as they finished up their road trip to California. That's up next on Wildcat Insider. Coming up in uh, 13 minutes and change, Jeff Mitty shows at 6 o'clock from Powercast Sports Grill. Brian Smuller is hosting, and it's their uh, send-off show as they're going to be heading to Kansas City for a Friday night matchup 6-3 contest against the Texas Longhorns, which right now it's projected to be a 7-30 tip-off, expected to be pushed a little bit in case the game before them goes um, a little bit late. Um, give you kind of an idea of what the Big 12 – in the in the women's side, looks like they'll have the playing or the uh, the first two games with West Virginia and TCU, Texas Tech and Oklahoma State, and yeah, K State at seven thirty with Texas as Big Twelve now on ESPN Plus. Although ESPNU will have coverage of the first couple of games. Baylor is the number one seed. Iowa State the two. Uh, Oklahoma is the four. Now, when it comes to bracketology, it wasn't that long ago. I would imagine, well, really, it was probably this time a month ago. K-State was going to be a four-seed host, a reg- or host of first and second round. That is not the case. K-State would have to go on an amazing run to get that kind of status. It, and I don't even think a run would really put them in that four spot. But right now, according to Charlie Kareem of ESPN, K-State is an eight-seed. And he has them going to Palo Alto, California. And if you know, you know Tara Vanderveer and how amazing of a coach she is, you know that would be a really tough draw. However, in my personal opinion, if K-State could win a game against Texas, that would might actually be enough to potentially put K-State at least in a different spot as an eight seed. But you, would, of course, would run into a one seed. If you can get two wins in Kansas City, tough to do, but it can be done, then you probably jump out of that eight seed, you go to a seven, and you're going somewhere else, uh, and maybe it's going to be a little easier of a draw. But it's tough anyway. It's the NCAA tournament. But it's great to have K-State in this situation anyway, uh, despite a tough stretch there towards the end of the year on playing in the road in Big 12 play and, and not picking up a couple of wins down the stretch as well um, at home. But right now, according to ESPN, K-State is an eight seed going to Palo Alto. Well, It'll be interesting. It's a great reward for for the young ladies for the season that they've had. They did not finish obviously the way they wanted to. I still think that um, you know. <laughs> I guess we could probably banter back and forth on this, but probably if you beat Texas, maybe you could slide to a seven. But more than likely, probably going to be an eight. We'll we'll see how it plays out. Um, what's the projection they get that Creighton? Yeah. So yeah. Good question. So yeah. they would face Creighton in that first round, and, and Creighton is a tough team. They've been 
I guess, slipping a little bit recently, but they're a 20-win team, the third place in the Big East. Yeah. Um, and by the way, speaking of Stanford, Stanford, give you a little perspective on how good they've been. They did not lose a conference game this year. They went undefeated in conference in the, play in there the in the Pac-12. 12. Yeah, that, that's impressive. You know, I many years ago, um, <laughs> I went to Palo Alto for a women's tournament, and Tara was still was coaching at Stanford then. Think about that. I don't know if you can Google her to see how many years she's been at Stanford, but it's been a long, long time. Yeah, quite a while. She's won national championships. Uh, she was responsible for ending uh, UConn's run of like winning ninety something <laughs> straight games. Like they just were just short of a hundred consecutive wins, but she is two wins away from a thousand. So crazy. Uh, yeah, she's about to get to a thousand. She is a phenomenal coach. Now she has been coaching at Stanford since 1985 wow. is how long she's been at Stanford. And before that she was at Ohio state. Yeah. So she's coached at some pretty big places. 1985. Actually. So that's, that's amazing. I beg your pardon. She has over a thousand wins. I guess the initial research didn't have the updated numbers. Oh, okay. Here it says over eleven hundred. Whoa! Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> she has a winning percentage of eighty-one point seven percent. That'll work. Now, when it comes to baseball, the Bat Cats have played ten games. I was on the road trip with them for a little while there. Four games, three in Bakersfield, then one game a Tuesday nighter in Fullerton. And the Cats took one out of three out of those four games, and they and they won a series two out of three at Loyola Marymount. Um, three and seven right now, not the star I think we are expecting, but I will mention they are a young team. I do want to shout out a few things about the team. Um, I am encouraged about some of the bats, and they're all transfers. Justin Mitchell, who's the new catcher, he's right now batting three seventy five. He's got a home run, four uh, doubles. And um, I'm encouraged by him. I think, though, that you know, throwing down to second base, that could improve a little bit. But Orlando Salinas, Dom Johnson, both are transfers from the Big 12. They're batting over 350. And Dylan Phillips, he's now four home runs away from taking the all-time record at K-State for home runs in a career. So he's almost there. And then pitching. Uh, from what I've seen from Blake Adams, who's going to be the Friday starter, he already is, um, really solid. Yeah, rock solid. Yeah, I think that's the thing, too. Yes, 3-7 and seven is not exactly the start that they wanted, but I think generally speaking, I think those first couple of two or three starters have been pretty good. And if you can parlay that into consistent baseball over the course of you know, the next couple of months or so, then you compete. And that, that's the bottom line. You got to pitch it. Now, Connor McCullough has also been the Saturday starter. He's been pretty good. His record is one and one. Yep. Same record as Blake Adams, but they both have an ERA, ERA right now under under three. Um, the Sunday spot is it does feel like a little bit up in the air right now. Blake Corsentino he started Sunday against um, Loyola Marymount, and that's coming off a great relief effort on Tuesday against Fullerton and. Uh, Second time through the order didn't go so well for Blake Corsentino. Yeah, it's just right now the the Sunday spot's up in the air. Bullpen needs to improve. Yes, but it's not like there's no encouragement there. Like there is a sign that this team can be good. They just need to start growing. Like they need to stop. Like coaches said, stop pressing at the plate. You know, tr- stop trying to do too much. 
also there's been issues with base running. For some reason, when there's a ground ball to the shortstop, the guy at second is taken off for third. You don't want to do that. <laughs> Stay put at second if you don't need to go to third, like if you're forced to go over that way. We've seen too many of those base running errors. Clean that up. This this team could be good. Yeah. It, it, we don't know how this season is going to play out, but I think you're right. There, there are some twinkles of bright spots. There are probably a couple of areas of concern. You mentioned the bullpen. That has to be a concern. And you, you do hope that the, the hitters grow and, and as the weather gets better, they get better. And I think that's a, you know, we've, we've seen that happen before. A reminder the uh, K State Batcats can open up home schedule not tomorrow. That's changed. It'll now be against Nebraska Wednesday at four o'clock. That's due to the weather we had yesterday and the team getting back late from the road trip to California. So the Cornhuskers said, yeah, don't worry about it. We'll come up at 4 uh, four on Wednesday. We'll play on Wednesday at 4. And pregame will start at 3.30 on NewsRadioKman.com. That'll be an online-only broadcast because the K-State men's basketball team playing in Kansas City with uh, pregame starting at 5 o'clock. We might as well just keep it here. Steven will know what to do. Uh, <laughs> I, I did want to ask, Wyatt. Um, it is on the notes here. George Strait is coming to Kansas City. Right. It is my goal to get you to a George Strait concert. I know. I keep putting this. We talk now, about this, and, and I, I really would like to go. What's the date again? So uh, it is, it's late July. Late July. I know that. It's a Saturday night, Arrowhead Stadium, and I know we can get you there. there I, I saw four tickets together, lower level, like 125 apiece, and – there's also like Chris Stapleton, Little Big Town, I think, is the other uh, artists or bands, whatever. Okay. They're going to be there like you. I don't, I don't know. I, I can't speak for you, but I know for me, I'm not too interested in that, but I would love to see uh, George Strait in concert. I grew up listening to his music, so if you want to get your credit card out, we can do this right now, Wyatt. <laughs> well, I better not do that without asking the wife first. Well, okay. In the show, we can call her, and uh, we'll, go. we'll get, you, get you to GHA Field in, uh, at Arrowhead Stadium and... Uh, Get you to see your favorite artist of all time. I got a sister that really wants to go. Sure. Um, so we're maybe going to organize some family thing. But if you want those cheaper tickets, lower level, now's the time to do now's it. Now's the time, sure. There's also 165. You'll still get a good seat. Right. Um, but you've told me before you would spend. Oh, I have no problem spending that. Uh, yeah. Now, my, I can't speak for my wife. She may have a problem with it. But I, I for to see George, I would, I would spend that in a. Instant. Does she like George Strait? I think so. She she's not as crazy about it as I am, but but I I think she does. Yeah. Or I mean, what you could do as well is when you're in Kansas City, just go on over there to Arrowhead, and if the box office is open, just buy tickets there, and you don't have to pay for all the fees. There you go. So I mean, that's there's up a to thought. You. But yeah. Ticketmaster, they'll they'll tank on the fees. You'll have to pay. It says one twenty five face value, but they'll tank on thirty dollars of fees for every ticket you buy. Sure, and it does add up a little bit. But I still don't think that's a bad deal. No, that's I could live with it. Absolutely, we got to make it happen. Uh, You're right about that. Saturday, July thirtieth. July thirtieth is okay. the day. So it's you know it's going to be hot, but uh, we'll we'll get you a seat with some shade. How about that? We can pull. We can pull some strings and get Wyatt to Arrowhead Stadium to see his boy George Strait, who he's never seen before. I'm telling you, it would be awesome. I'm not going to give up on this. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for Wildcat Insider for Big Steve for Wyatt Thompson. I'm Mitch Fortner. We'll talk to you tomorrow, two hours of the game at four o'clock. Getting you closer to the locker room than anyone else. 
This is Wildcat Insider. Wildcat Insider, an exclusive presentation of the flagship station of the K-State Sports Network. News Radio 1350, KMAN.